Hello and welcome to the Ronnie Lever Show, where every week we bring you fascinating guests with inspiring stories of success and overcoming obstacles from the world of sports, business, and entertainment. To support this channel, please subscribe, turn on the notification bell, and hit the like button so that we can deliver you the best content possible. And now, thank you very much and enjoy the show. Coming from a simple upbringing in Colombia, having explored so many challenges and opportunities that life has given her, she has created an attitude of wealth and made the creation of financial abundance and financial intelligence her life's mission. She has lived in New York, London, Paris, and now Vienna. She's a serial entrepreneur. She is a financial and wealth strategist. And first and foremost, she's also my wife. Please welcome for this inspiring interview about how to create financial abundance. Here is Elizabeth Cruz. Woo! <laughs> welcome, Thank welcome, you. welcome. Welcome and happy <laughs> to have you on the show. Um, when you listen to your own story and when you listen to your achievements so far and you look at your life today, look back at your journey, what comes to mind for you? That life is beautiful, life is full of surprises and that I'm doing and having what I never imagined. And um, yeah, I'm very grateful for that. Life is just incredible. It's uh, a place to experience the good things and the bad things. And at the end, it's just about learning. Beautiful, beautiful phrase. And, and um, talking about and giving a little bit of perspective where you're coming from, what did you imagine? Uh, first of all, how was life like when you were a kid? And what did you imagine back then how it would look like when you were a grown up? I grew up in Colombia, as you said. We were four siblings. I'm the only woman, three brothers, and a single mom. It was a difficult uh, time or tough time because my mom didn't have the support of my dad. We grew up with a lot of scarcity and more than that, I would say poor mindset. Our environment was not the best. However, my mom always um, was a very lovely person and she gave us or taught us beautiful values for for us to live and that i would say that's uh, the the most important thing it was hard i um, she taught us that we couldn't go to the university what she was going to do was just uh, to give us or uh, the opportunity to go to school so once we were done we needed to get a job that was the plan. And I was very ambitious. Although I had a lot of limitations, something inside of me always told me like, no, I want a different life. I went to the university. Well, before, before we actually get into that, because we're, we're still going to get there, like, um, let's not <laughs> jump ahead too far here. But you, you mentioned that you grew up in a lot of scarcity. What were the beliefs back then? Also, what were the beliefs around money back then? And But on the other hand, what were the positive values that you still got from your mom? Yeah, 
the mindset was that it's very hard to get money or it's very hard to to get rich it's not it was not for us it was like we already had a plan for our life to be poor the whole life because we uh, were born poor so we were going to be poor our whole life and a lot of great things were not for us that was the the mindset university was not for us or big uh, things were not for us we even christmas gifts right yeah christmas was despite the situation as a kid i remember christmas is a beautiful time although we never get the gifts that we wanted it was more like my mom couldn't afford a lot for us so what she gave us always was the the books that we needed for the school or the shoes that we needed to go to school those kind of things were the gifts for us um, for christmas mm -hmm. and then of course so but but something inside of you or what was inside of you that that said well this is not going to be my future my future is going to be different how did you decide that yeah, um, before responding to that question, you asked me as well about values. And uh, the values, for example, something that my mom taught us and that was very beautiful. And that think that's the, I think that's the foundation for my response. It's that she was very generous. Despite all this scarcity, she always wanted to give, um, okay, we lived in a neighborhood, a poor neighborhood, and then homeless always were passing by and she always needed to give food to them. So we saw that generosity and that kindness and despite the scarcity, it's like in some way, my mom always had to give away. I think that's the, the root or like, the seed that uh, she taught us because then I was just thinking like, I'm sure we can do more and we can uh, create more just being kind and being generous. And I was always very ambitious. I knew that my mom didn't have money for us uh, to give uh, gifts and things, but I, I was always asking her for more. And, and that was a, always a fight with my brothers. I, I don't know. That was something inside, inside of me. I don't know even how to explain. I just know that I, I wanted to have more. I was just um, always dreaming. I think I was a dreamer since I was a, a girl. And I always wanted to, to have beautiful things. And I was visualizing all the back then. I didn't know anything about these uh, visualizations and uh, law of attraction and all these things. But I remember that I always was visualizing a beautiful life, like just imagining, imagining um, beautiful things. Oh, beautiful. And, and, um, did you ever get discouraged? Because I'm, I believe that many people dream of a bigger life or of a more beautiful life or something better. That's just human nature. And at the same time, when you are in the circumstances that you were, um, 
just also when you said that you were dreaming of, of, of a more beautiful life, like what were the dreams back then? What were you dreaming of? Like what was going on in your mind? <laughs> back then it was uh, more about um, material things. And then I, I was dreaming about having a beautiful house or having beautiful clothes because I was not wearing the best clothes and or shoes. And I was imagining living in a beautiful neighborhood and uh, having money or traveling. Yeah, those kind of things. Just with the clothes also, you, you told me a story once that when you actually were, just to jump ahead a little bit, uh, at the university, um, that you always were wearing the same sweater. <laughs> yeah, I remember once... Uh, um, a room, uh, a classroom told me, like, you don't have another sweater because <laughs> I always used to go with the same sweater. Yeah, I didn't have money to buy more. But we, in fact, we jumped to the university and that's a beautiful yeah, story. I just wanted to take the, the clothes thing, yes. And then before we actually get how we got into the university, but it's funny, like, that the classmate actually came to you and, and I mean, funny. It, it's just what it was at the time. And, and it's, it might sound funny, but it's, it's also to state that this is the reality for many people. And it's, it's something that, especially if you grew up in, in a privileged environment in a, in a Western household, uh, in Europe or North America, then this, this sounds almost like, um, like not reality for, for many of us. So, okay. So basically, Going back, you were at the end of your school and you said, well, I do want to go to university. I guess you wanted to go to university because you wanted to have a better life. And you thought going to university is going to mean a better life. But how, were you, how, how, how did you do it? Yeah, I knew that if I, uh, after the, the school, I started working immediately, especially if you get a job and you don't have education, you are not going to be well paid. So I knew it was going to be very hard afterwards, once you get in that cycle, to go to the university. So I thought, no, I need to go to the university. Um, fortunately, I got great uh, grades uh, in the, at the school, so I could apply for the public university. Although I have to say as well that I just chose the career that was more probably to, that, that had more probabilities to, to get in. So it was not that I was thinking, oh, I want to be a psychologist or a whatever, an engineer or a doctor. No, I just, uh, first of all, knew that I just could afford to go to the public university, not a private university. And in that public university, there were not a lot of offers, like for, especially for women, it was more in careers for men, like me mechanics, electricity, all those kind of things. So I just uh, found a career that was like, that could fit better for me. So I went to the university. How I, uh, my mom said, I don't have money. Uh, because you said you said you, you that you wanted to get a, a university that you could afford, but actually you couldn't really afford anything, could you? Yeah. I and mean, it was no. how much was it? 
it was nothing because it was a public university. Nothing thinking now about what uh, I had to pay, but we needed to pay something like a fee. Let's say it's like now 50 euros. It's 50 euros or 50 dollars basically per, per what? Per semester. Per semester. So twice besides a year that, for 100 dollars a year. Yeah, but besides that, I needed to pay transportation and food and copies because back then as well in a, in my city we didn't have a great uh, trans uh, transportation system. So I knew I needed to pay buses every day as well it was not just about the fee it was many things so my mom said no i cannot support you and uh, i was very sad however i remember that i applied by myself i didn't tell my mom i just uh, applied and uh, afterwards i realized that i got in the university <clears throat> and then I told my mom and my mom was again like how much is that and then I told her and she said mm, no I don't know I'm not sure if I can do it so I remember that day I was very sad and I, I went home and uh, I had a, a friend uh, and so I talked with him and he taught me why you just don't go to an institution that um, lent, lended money to students. So then he gave me that idea and then I did all the process and uh, they lended me the money. So uh, we, I could pay in fees, like uh, it was split during the, the semester. So it was cheaper. So what I thought that I could do is to sell things or to start looking for money to pay those uh, fees every, every month. So I could complete my semester and go to the next uh, semester. And that's how I did it. So in other words, you got resourceful. And that's yeah. something also that's very, very important to notice because um, basically wherever we are at, and it's, it's never... It's usually not the lack of resources. It's usually the lack of resourcefulness. So um, if you are not happy with your situation, you need to get more resourceful in terms of when it comes to money, for example, to create more money into your life. So what were the things that you did? How did you attract money back then into your life? <laughs> yeah. When I got into the university, then I knew I needed to, to get money to pay for my fees and to pay for my uh, transportation and the copies. And so I started selling all kinds of things. I started making brownies, desserts, and I was as well buying cheap clothes and selling um, clothes for a higher price. I did everything. I was always selling things. It was something that it was not allowed officially in the university, but a lot of people or students did because they needed to, to get the money to pay for themselves. And that's what I did. Not everybody did it or was doing it. And I learned to do it because I needed to do it. 
so kind of a, um, a brownie black market, so to say, um, at the university. So, so, so you got up in the morning or you prepared them late at night and then you basically um, got them ready in the morning and then you brought them to the university and sold brownies. Yes, that's what I did. It was a hard time because as well, for example, sometimes they didn't have money for the transportation. So I had to, uh, for example, I went to the university and I had to stay there waiting for the next classes because the, the schedule was like classes in the morning, classes in the afternoon, and I couldn't go back to um, my home to get up to have lunch, but I didn't have money to have lunch in the university. So I just needed to wait and stay there. And uh, I just think like, I don't see this time in my life as a, like, oh, um, this was a horrible time or that was um, embarrassing or whatever. No, I just think that it was a beautiful time and great time for me to get stronger. I think that all my strength now comes from that time because I I had to make a big effort for everything to get what I wanted. That, I would say that was the first, uh, one of my first uh, outcomes that I got with all my effort. And um, my I have to say as well that once my mom saw my all that motivation and that courage that I had, she started helping me a little bit. It's not that she never helped me with the university. She helped me as well. And, but as well, I, I had to, to get money because it was not enough with what my mom could help me. Wow. Very beautiful. Um, and, and it reminds me on, on the old saying that, Tough times create hard people or, or um, no, uh, hard great times people. create great people. <laughs> great people create good times. Mm -hmm. Good times create weak people and weak people creates hard that times. Yeah. And then hard times again creates mm -hmm. great people. So, wow, that's really quite nowadays. It's, it's, it's an asset that you built inside yeah. of you through going through that time. If somebody did not have that challenging time that you had, um, how else could they get this mental toughness, this direction, this really, this, this hunger, this drive? I think the root of all of that is to have a big why, to know where you want to go and why that was my my thing. I knew I wanted to have a different life because I saw my environment and I saw the life of everybody there. And I just knew I didn't want to have the same life and to repeat the same cycle. So I knew I needed to do something different. And in that moment for me, that was going to the university because that was going to open different doors for me. And my why was always as well, like thinking, like, I want to do different, uh, I, I want to have a different life and help my family as well, my brothers and uh, my mom and to give them a different life. And uh, yeah, that was my big thing. I would say if you were very lucky and you didn't have to go through all these things, 
you just need to think about what you want and why you want. And that's, that's going to be a big uh, leverage. Wow. And actually you did afterwards help. Um, you helped your brothers also to go through university and also yeah. you, you, you're still helping your mom. So, um, wow, really, really beautiful. So once you got done with university, um, I, I mentioned serial entrepreneur. On the one hand, you, you started working, but also you always were very ambitious and, and very entrepreneurial. So you not just selling brownies, but also afterwards you started some other businesses. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My, um, I, I would say my first ideas about, about entrepreneur and be, and wanting to be an independent woman started with the university because I was doing all these, uh, sellings, uh, sales. And I thought, okay, this can be something as well. This, uh, this, uh, works. So. Once I graduated from the university, I got my first job and I remember I had in mind like, okay, I'm going to get, get experience because I need the experience working for a company, but I'm going to be independent. That's what I want. So I worked as an employee for several years and um, during that time as well, I was developing different businesses. I started with a cafe internet. That was an opportunity that just um, showed up in my life. And uh, it was a great time for that. That was in the early 2000s. So when we didn't have internet, like in the way that we have it now, like it was not for everybody and especially in the poor neighborhoods I was still living there and uh, pe uh, people didn't have internet in their homes so I created a cafe internet where people could go to uh, to rent a computer and to to work or whatever as well back then there were a lot of people migrating to Europe from Colombia so they needed to communicate with their families. So then I had as well a service with calls for, um, yeah, calling here. Back then we didn't have obviously WhatsApp or any um, way to call like it is now. Now it's very easy, but that was my first big business. It was a, a big house with different services. Even we had as well a room with Xbox that we rented uh, to kids and they could go to play there. So, yeah. So, so once again, you got resourceful and you created some kind of a, um, well, you created an environment where your business could flourish and, and to, again, we're thinking outside the box, what can I add? What services can I add? Or how can I be of more value? Because that's basically the thing. If you want to increase your own net worth, you need to increase your own value. You need to increase how valuable you are to the people around you, whether you are an employee and you want to earn more money or you are an entrepreneur and you want to earn more money. It's all about adding more value. So basically, and, and I'm going to shift gears in a moment to, to all the core fundamentals of, of what it means to be, uh, to create financial or to build financial intelligence and also financial abundance. But then you actually got into the financial field, working in the financial field for over a decade or, or so now. 
or more, uh, almost two decades. Yes. Yeah, I was lucky that when I graduated from the university and I got my first job, it was in a company about financial services. And there I was doing different uh, positions or having different positions. So I learned very good the whole business. And as I have in mind that I wanted to be an independent woman, that was my purpose always, like learning every position, learning how the whole business worked. So I worked there several years, and but uh, that was in my city. In, it's a small city. I wanted to go to a big city. That was my other outcome as well, because I knew that in a small city, the possibilities are less or the opportunities are less. So I started thinking like, I want to live in a bigger city or like in the capital. And once again, I believe that when you have clarity about what you want and you start thinking about that every day, life is going to manif manifest for you, like in any way, because I just look back and it's like, Every time that I wanted to have something, life uh, put it in on my way. Beautiful, very beautiful. And also another key or core principle that you actually um, acted upon is proximity is power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and if you want to be, a, and what does it mean? For example, if you want to be an actor and you want to be an actor on a world stage, you need to go to Hollywood. Because in Hollywood is where all the studios are, where all the actors are. Like basically, this is the the, the you need to be in proximity with the people that can help you along the way. And of course, also in your thought, it was I need to be actually I need to have proximity with the people around me that I, that can get me there. And so, for you, the next logical step was to go to Bogota, which was the capital, and. You already mentioned that you were working in financial services. Mm -hmm. Basically, and, and just to jump ahead a little bit, you the company that you were at and also the company that you founded afterwards, which was doing the same business, was about lending money to employees. Yeah, like having alliances with companies, lending money to employees. What did you learn when you saw for more than a decade or when you were lending money and, and we were, we're not talking about huge loans. We're talking about mm -hmm. consumer loans. What did you learn about that? A lot. Just to, to finish uh, the, the part with the, why I started with this business, uh, I sold my cafe internet and I bought a bus and that was a very, very bad business. My learning was like, I just, uh, need to go to the business that I mm, I know that I have the time to dedicate and I, and I have the time to be there and learn the business. So then... So, so just to clarify, you bought a bus, yeah? And, and just yeah. to give more context, you bought a bus in order to rent it yes. uh, to other bus companies. Uh, and to, to point out, was the bus in general a bad business or was it just a bad no. business for you? Yeah, it was a bad business for me. It's not that it's a bad business because otherwise you wouldn't see buses on the streets or especially, okay, in these big cities, uh, cities the, the system is very organized. 
But back then in Colombia, yeah, it was not very organized. So you could buy a bus and then you could rent it to a company and then they just worked with the bus and and they pay you or like the idea was that the bus was going to be paid by itself. So at the end, I was going to build a critical mass. That was my idea. I was going to have money to go to my next uh, business. And the result was completely the opposite. It was uh, hard of business for me because I didn't have any idea about that. I, I didn't know the business. And yeah, that was not a great experience. And there were a lot of learnings there. So then I finally um, solved uh, that um, business in um is when I was thinking like, okay, now what is going to be the next step or what uh, am I going to do? So I went to Bogota, but I was working as an employee and they sent me to Bogota because uh, they wanted to open a new branch there. So I was there and I found the opportunity to to sell the idea. I went there with the idea, I'm gonna find a partner to create my own business. The business was exactly what I was doing as an employee because I learned how to do everything. I created this new business because I learned a lot about uh, all the, the processes with credits and finances. And my learning, just to respond to your question, over time... The learning about, about once again, the learning about yes. um, the lending money to many, many, many people. Yes. Lending money to thousands of clients taught me that it doesn't matter how much you earn, you can earn a lot of money and you are going to have the same problems than a person who doesn't earn a lot of money because it's not about how much you earn, it's how you manage your money. And I, uh, I had a lot of clients who were completely always in the same cycle, like lending, paying, lending, paying, and every time it was more debt, more debt. I could notice a lot of patterns in my clients and not very great patterns, financial patterns and the way that they manage the money. That taught me a lot about finances or especially financial intelligence, how people should manage the money, their money and uh, the ways uh, that they can do it in an effective uh, way. And uh, yeah, that was a great learning for me as well. All right, so let's let's jump into financial intelligence because then, um, well, first of all, there came a moment in your business where you said, "All right, that's it. I do not want to stay in that business. I do not want to keep lending money. I actually want to educate people. I want to give them the tools." not just the money to, to overcome the next shortcomings, uh, but to give them the tools that it doesn't even get to that. What was the, the turning point? A few years ago, when I started 
my journey in personal development, I realized that I had a mission and I was, I started wondering like, what is my mission in life? And as well, I was wondering if with what I was doing, I was helping people and I was really doing what I wanted to do. Because I was, uh, I was feeling that when I lended money, people were not solving their problems, like from the roots. It was just like um, solving in a very um, superficial way. I was wondering the whole time, like, well, how can I help even more people? Then in 2020, we were already like in June uh, during COVID, something happened. My first client, who was a very frequent client, she died. And I knew her, I, she was with me the whole time, like um, lending money. I knew that she had a lot of financial stress and she was desperate and my intuition told me that she um all these um, what happened was just a result of uh, that financial stress but she didn't die because of covid no 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 she died she was young she was in her 40s and she was healthy suddenly yeah just i received the the news that she just um, died. And, uh, but I knew all her problems and her inconvenience with money. So I just, um, yeah, felt that the reason why she died was um, mostly because of all the financial stress that she was suffering. And in that moment, that was my turning point because I felt that I could have done more, that I could have helped her in a different way. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was the point when I just thought I need to do something different and I'm going to start doing something different. I'm going to stop lending money because that's not the way that I'm helping my clients. And I'm going to use all my experience, knowledge uh, about finances and all what I have uh, learned in this time with my clients, my company, to do something better for them. And then, then is when I started my new project, which is called... Which we will get into a little bit later. Yes. Uh, but for now, um, tell me... What are, like for everybody listening right now and watching, what are the core principles of, um, of creating wealth, like of financial intelligence? Yeah. How do you build that? First of all, financial intelligence is a skill that everybody can develop. It is the ability to manage your money in an effective way and create wealth. And it has to do with more with your psychology, with your beliefs, with your attitudes, with your mindset than any other technical thing. It's more about that. The 
core um, foundation of financial intelligence is, first of all, knowing where you are with your finances, knowing what you spend and how you spend your money, knowing your habits, and as well, saving money, paying yourself first, creating a critical mass, investing that mass, that critical mass, creating um, wealth, like with that critical mass, but it's all about uh, knowing, for example, uh, how to invest, uh, how to diversify, or uh, how to allocate your assets. Basically, I would say, and to make it simpler, just know what you you uh, where you where you are and how you spend your money. Um, save money. Just get a percentage of your incomes to save uh, with the frequency that you prefer or that you can and start investing okay let's let's make it let's make it even simpler so basically um you said take a percentage of what you earn and and put it like invest it yeah yeah in investments can be it can be all kinds of stuff like we're, we're we might talk about this in a, in a moment what about if somebody says, well, I would love to, but at the end of the money, there is still a lot of month left usually. So um, I don't know how I should take away anything in order to to save if I don't even get around with the money that I have right now. Yeah. Based on my experience with a lot of clients, what I always see is that you need. it's why you need to start with your expenses, knowing how you are spending your money, how you are, um, what are you, uh, are you doing with your money when you receive your money? Because usually what always happens is that you are spending money uh, like in small things that you are not paying attention because they are small things, but they are Drawing all your money, like the coffee every day, or the bottle of water every day, or your subscriptions every day, or or with your apps, or like many many expenses that you are not paying attention. So first, you need to evaluate where your money is going, and then I can tell you, ninety percent or more of the times, people find a way to just to. Um, eliminate those expenses or control them better and then they can um, get money to save. So if I listen correctly, the first step is going to be to actually to look where you're at right now. Like basically get an understanding of everything, all the assets you have, also everything, all the, like, all the costs that you're having yes. and then figure out a way like determine a percentage of money that you're going to be putting away every month. And if it's very hard for you, then even start with as little as 3%, 5% or something. Yeah. Or if, if it's easier for you, you can go up to 20, 30, 40, whatever works for you. Like, um, like there is no, no upper limit, but it's really about putting a certain percentage. And I, I once heard, ideally you put that, like you, you, automated in a way that you don't even see it like an additional tax basically that the money 
comes into account and immediately gets into a different account where, from where you invest. Is that correct? Yes. Let me add something. You know, sometimes people get confused like with, oh no, what percentage should I get or should I save? You know, the most important thing is just to create the habit more than the how much you are going to save. Like it doesn't matter if it's even like $10 a month. I, when I, I went to a seminar and I remember a testimonial of a woman and she was saying that when she went to the seminar first time, she was completely in debt. Like she saw it very impossible to do that. And then, but she said, okay, I'm going to start with $1. And I remember that she, back then, when I was in the seminar, she was already a testimonial and she was telling that story. She started with $1. And what happens was that when, uh, like over time, she was getting momentum, excited, like, and then afterwards it was, it was more and more and more. And um, like in a few years, she built a um, critical mass and back then like in that moment she was already independent and debt free and what she said was it was all about creating the habit more than the money that she was saving it was just creating that strong habit mm -hmm. that's a great point and so when you're talking about critical mass so basically in other words what that means is to create a money machine Yes. So you're actually the critical mass is, is or the money machine is all the money that you're putting aside. But when you're saying, well, $30 here and, and like and $50 there and so on, that doesn't sound like a lot of money. But what oftentimes people do not think about is compound interest. Yes. Yes. First of all, Nowadays, with the technology and all the, the opportunities that we have, people can start investing uh, from like $50, literally. Like, it's not, the, there is no excuses about investments now. It, it's not like before that you needed to have a lot of money. Now, now you can invest. Uh, any money that you have. That's a point that um, I think is important to mention. And the other thing is, um, sorry, I got I got lost here with your question. No, no, we were talking about compound interest. Oh, yes. and also okay. just yeah. as, as, a, as a side note also, of course, like that we are not giving financial advice. It's not yeah. um, like this is very important. Everybody needs to educate themselves and make their own decisions. It's just about the core fundamentals. Yeah, totally agree. Yes, definitely. If you put your money um, to even if it's just 10% uh, a year, which is very high, <laughs> or 5% a year, it's going to be better than not having any money and not putting any money to work. What I can say based on my experience as well is that once you get into this game and you start saving money, your brain is going to start telling you like, okay, let's do something with this money. Let's invest this money. And that's uh, when you need to start educating yourself and uh, just looking for options to know where you put your money. Because the other thing as well is that with inflation, if you don't do anything with your money, then 
basically you are going to lose money. So you need to start doing something. All right. So, uh, and once again, also uh, with compound interest, what that means is basically that you're getting interest for your, uh, for your, for your money. Let's say you, you get a 5% return or, or let's make it a 10% return just for easier, um, calculating. You put in a hundred dollars in one year. It's 110. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The great thing is one year later, not just the $100 get the interest, but the 110. So instead of $10 of interest, now you're going to make 11. So after, after the second year, it's going to be 121. Yeah. And then the 121 are going to get the interest and not just the 100. So basically your interests are getting kids and they are getting kids and they are getting kids. And so everything is going to multiply, which is a, a great, great concept. And which is something that you, the earlier you start, the more this is going to work for you. And that's really a fascinating thing. Um, and, and the next question is you should not put all your eggs in one basket, right? Like you shouldn't put everything. Oh, I'm going to go all in, in this investment because I like it. How, how should you do that? Yeah. Okay. That's a very deep topic. So we are talking about asset allocation and uh, there is a lot of uh, literacy about that. And, but yes, definitely you need to know where you are putting your money. You need to study the asset that you, you want to use for allocating your money. And you need to, I would say first step to take that decision is to know what is your profile as an invest, uh, investor? Because it's not the same if you are 60 than if you are 30 or if you have kids or if you don't have kids, if you, um, have, if you are a high-risk person or if you are more conservative. So first of all, it's having... High-risk person is like with a high-risk tolerance, basically. Tolerance, yes, sorry. Um, you need just to to know what are you willing to to bear i would say because investments anyway it's like you are gonna put money but it's not the money that you need for your rent or for paying your basis it's money that you are gonna put to work for you and if you do it uh, with education it's gonna be great but as well always it's gonna be the uh, it's going to be a, a risk. So it's important to know. And of course you can diversify and you can, you can diversify the risk, but that's going to get a little bit too deep into it for somebody who really is interested mm-hmm. about what you do, because right now, um, what you're doing is primarily you work with companies, right? Uh, why is that? And, and, and how does it work? Yeah. As I was working with companies, when I was lending money, I was uh, lending money to employees. So I decided that in the same way, I was going to help both companies and employees. Employees educating uh, them with financial like uh, intelligence and companies because when the employee has uh, great uh, financial education, 
it's going to be more committed. It's going to be more productive. It's going to be more present for the company. So the company as well can increase their profits if the employees have a great environment to work. So it's like a, a, a game where both can profit. It's, it's a great thing. So it's, I decided to do it in that way. I'm in this moment uh, helping companies to increase their profits by training their employees and uh, turning them in money machines. <laughs> wow. So by transforming the whole financial culture yes. of a company. And, and I even read a study about that, that basically 83% of employees are dealing with financial issues or with financial stress. And that, on the other hand, is taking away two to three hours a week of their productive time. So yeah. um, what, what it was there was that basically if you are taking a 40-hour work week, this is um, equivalent to 6, 7, 8% of your work time. And if it's 83%, so basically it is a 5, 6, 7% increase of productivity that yeah. you're having just by financially educating them. So that's a fantastic concept. If somebody is listening right now, or even somebody, for example, that says, Hey, I got, I got a company. I would love to bring this to my employees and transform my financial culture in the company and also make my company more productive. Where can they find you? Yeah. Um, my website is um, www.attitudesofwealth.com. That's the place where people can find me. And of, of Spanish, you do, of course, in Spanish also, actitudes de riqueza. Yeah, yeah. I have the two domains, so people can, it's easier for people who speak English. So, yeah, you can find me in both. All the links, of course, are going to be in the show notes. And, and you are also being found on, on LinkedIn, I believe. LinkedIn as well, Instagram, yes. Okay, beautiful. This is also going to be in the show notes. Um, a final thought that you would like to give to our audience, to everybody listening, that they should take away from the time together. Yeah. In these um, hard times of uncertainty, the best way to get um, inner certainty is educating yourself. And that's with books that there are tons of uh, information now outside. So it's... Um, it's about educating yourself, knowing where you are, knowing what you want and why you want. And that's the path that I followed. And it's um, why now I'm, I'm, I'm here in this point of my life when I'm very, very happy with everything and very grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. All the best, of course, to you. And I cannot wait also to hear inspiring stories from people that have watched and listened to this interview and yeah, all the best. Thank you very much. And please give it up to Elizabeth Cruz. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you for sticking with us until the end. To make this content even more valuable for you, please leave a comment below and share your thoughts and also share this video with somebody you care about who absolutely needs to see this. Thank you very much. Have an outstanding day and see you next time.